Welcome to the Thriving Solopreneur Show, where you learn the stories and systems that have turned hardworking, self-employed business owners like yourself into highly successful, leisurely entrepreneurs. This show is dedicated to those who went into business for themselves because they had an idea or suggestion that ignited their passions to do more, to do it better, and to solve a problem in our community. Whether your business started in a basement, a garage, or at a kitchen table, this episode will bring to you a system, a tip, or an entrepreneur that has been where you are and can guide you to living the fulfilling life you desire for yourself. Here's your host and serial solopreneur, Janine Bolin. Hello and welcome to the Thriving Solopreneur Show. I am your host, Janine Bolin, and with me today, I have Misty Mejia. Misty Mejia is not only a CEO, but she is an amazing creative director, and she really thrives on being able to help people with her business strategy training. She is an extraordinary person who has had 20 years of experience in marketing strategy, project management, who can't use more of that, public speaking, corporate branding, and just basically channel marketing. She's traveled the world. She has shared her company's visions, inspiration, marketing strategies to anybody basically who will listen, but she's to the tune of hundreds of thousands, okay? So one of those people you definitely want to have in your back pocket so that you can access the information and content she has. Now, outside of her business life, she is a performer, a director, a choreographer, not only for professional, but also regional theater, a person who definitely gives back. She has blended her two passions of business and theater to help high achieving individuals learn those step-by-step skills on how to present to any size audience, whether it's a boardroom or you're speaking from a keynote stage. Sharing these strategies and techniques she has honed over her many years, Misty helps others define their unique voice and to own their career trajectory. Thank you so much for being with us today, Misty. Oh my gosh, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't live up to that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that we write our bios, right? We write our bios and then people start saying that and you're like, wow, who's that? Oh, me. Oh God, I got to get up and talk now. <laughs> it's like, it's like and, that's, and that's saying, that beautiful saying that comes from theater, don't believe your own press. Right. right totally. Don't believe your own press because you're really up there to give quality content. So talk to us a little bit about the differences, like because you've seen it all. You've been a choreographer. You've been on stage in the backstage. You've been on stage. You've done keynote addresses. You've spoken to little fireside chats. You've kind of done it all. And so talk to us a little bit about, okay, so I'm an author or I'm an entrepreneur, and now I find myself having to get out and really sell. So how do I do that without selling? How do I go about speaking and not selling? So these are things that you have on lock. So share a little bit with us if you don't mind. Yeah, I think that, you know, the difference between selling and speaking is you move into the selling when you don't believe in what the value that you're bringing to the table. And that's where it moves. If you're not truly authentically, passionately <laughs> like, Oh, I know this is going to help people. Then you start sliding into that cheesy salesperson. Like, Hey, you need this by today. And you're like, oh, no. And so when you tap in to the thing that just brings you immense joy and lights you up. And everybody says, find your purpose. And I don't know what that means, but me, it's 
what it is that thing that just goes, oh, I could do this for the rest of my life. And when you're sharing your book and you're sharing things that you've learned and you're just passing on that knowledge, it's no longer a sales pitch. It's just here I'm giving because I want to give and I want to help the next person be successful. And then you don't feel like sales anymore because it's really coming from a place of giving. Right. And that's one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. I talk to a lot of folks about this and it's, when do I start selling? When do I speak? You know, how do I merge all these things? Because, you know, we want to keep the lights on. We want to keep paying our people. They're like a family to us, right? I mean, we have these bills. Unfortunately, we have these bills. We have passion, but we also have bills and they need to be paid. And so one of the things that uh, was fascinating about learning more about you was the your literal passion for public speaking. No offense, this makes you incredibly weird. Why? <laughs> because this is right. I will own that. Thank you, Janine. Yes, but it's just because it's the number one fear, and here you are totally embracing it, and it's actually a passion of yours. So help us out. Tell us why did public speaking become such a a passion for you, and then you go off and you mentor others and you train others. So I'd love to hear that story. For me, it really it wasn't my passion. It was my fear as well. It actually is proven that it's part of our DNA. And when I got my stuff from Ancestry.com, it said that I am 50% afraid of being on stage. It's still true. But the thing is that I walked up on stage in my very first presentation and my hands were shaking so bad that I was dropping my props. And I remember walking back to my seat and just looking up at the ceiling, like begging my eyes not to start just being drenched in tears. From there, my parents shoved me into theater and they're like, okay, you need to get over this fear. And they put me in theater and I just learned a step-by-step process. And I unraveled that story that I had told myself that I was horrible at public speaking. I was horrible at public speaking. And really I was just shoved in front of the classroom to go, Hey, you have to present now without being given the skills. And I think that's a lot of us. We don't realize that when we were little, we probably were forced into a situation that we had to speak without being given the tools to do so. And so we have to re-record that of like, hey, this is a little bit scary, but I can learn a step-by-step process. I can learn a step-by-step strategy to be successful and duplicate that success. And I moved from being in the corporate world to teaching public speaking skills because I saw it over and over again in the boardrooms, people not being willing to speak up in a session. And we would walk out of the brainstorming and they go, oh, I wanted to say this. And I'm like, ah. That was brilliant. Why didn't you say that? And it was themselves. They were muting themselves in that space. And then we would get speakers for our conferences and we'd have 400 submissions and 30 were women and two were people of color. And I just started seeing this big disparity in this gap of women, especially not believing in themselves. And I was like, you know what? I've been a speaker for 20 years. I've been a director, an actor. I'm going to take all of these skills and just... Here, pass it forward, <laughs> like pay it forward. Let's get you on stage. Let's get you like stepping into that vulnerability and being brave. 
And, and that's something that is part of the communication of the human race is being able to stand up in front of a group and be able to rattle on uh, giving high quality content about what you know, because your perspective is unique. You're not going to nobody else is a Misty. Nobody else is going to be able to give the world the perspective that Misty can give or, you know, whoever is up there speaking. So I think one of the biggest things for me that I would love to hear your perspective on is the audience wants you to be successful. Nobody ever taught me that, okay? I had to learn that the hard way. I'd been speaking for a decade before I heard, you know, everybody in that seat wants you to be successful. So talk to us a little bit about using that psychology in in your ability to then project well in your public speaking. One, Janine, I love that so much. It's the same thing as a director. When I am behind the table and an actor walks in for an audition, I am hoping that this is the one. And I am just like positive going, oh, this could be the one, this could be it. And I'm just rooting for them. And it's the same thing with audiences and speakers that they're like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. The hard part is that the pressure on ourselves that that creates of like, hey, I have to be good. I have to be good sometimes is our roadblock. Because what if I make a mistake on stage? What if this happens? And it's like, you know what? It's going to happen. Like I have a bingo card for speakers with all of the things you can fail at on stage. (laughs) And I give it to my speakers and I go, Hey, until you fill out all of these, you have not earned your badge. (laughs) It really, it really is a process. One one of the people that I always thought was so smooth was Johnny Carson. He had been on television for years and years. And what was amazing is they, on his last show before he retired, they had a camera that was walking around behind him. And this was kind of a new thing, you know, to have, you know, the live feeds going behind the curtain and all that fun stuff. And I remember I was stunned because I was a young teenager at the time. I was stunned to see that before he went on stage, he was muttering his opening lines to himself. And I'm like, this guy is so smooth. This guy is like on film and in front of the camera. He's so amazing. And it was, it was startling and very refreshing to see he still had stage fright even after decades and decades of live television broadcasting the man was still going through his process so uh talk to us a little bit if you don't mind about the like you said you got this card of where you've ever failed on stage and everybody has a really good failure on stage my mine is when the fire alarms went off in the building that i was giving a keynote address to and all three thousand of us had to leave the building because we had to be evacuated so i never got to give my talk so uh (laughs) we all have a story right every single person that speaks has a story i oh. love to hear yours <laughs> oh my god there's so many i filled out that bingo card that's where it came from <laughs> uh, oh what do i share for me okay here's a, a mistake that i made that i'll share and this isn't this is a failure in me not knowing that my mic was on i was the mc for a citywide holiday event. They had hired me and I was backstage and I was chit-chatting and I was talking to my niece, the one that you and I were speaking about that was on American Idol, my goddaughter. And she and I were just chit-chatting and I was sharing just like, we were getting deep. We hadn't seen each other in a while and we were just talking so vulnerable and saying all these things. And somebody came running over to me and they're like, your mic is on, your mic is on. I was mortified because the mics were all of their downtown. 
So no matter where you were at, no matter how far away you were from the stage, you could hear this conversation. <laughs> oh my and goodness. Five minutes later, I had to walk on that stage after everybody hearing my personal like woes. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> So that's where that's where your quirky humor saves you, totally. you know, and it is. So you have to get up and make a joke about yourself. Uh, one of my 100%. favorite, right? One hundred percent. Make a joke about yourself. So now that we've known you've gotten to know me a little bit better, let's get to know you. You say to the three thousand people in front of you. Um, yes. My favorite was the the queen when the podium was too tall for her, and when she was giving her talk, because the speaker before her did not lower the podium so that she could speak at it. Uh, basically, you could hear her speaking, but all you saw was her hat moving. That was the only yeah. thing you could see. And so so this made it into the news. It was a big brouhaha. And so what did she do? The very next time she's in a live event, she goes, well, look at this, because there was no podium. It was just a microphone. And so she stands up and she goes, well, this is the talking hat. And now you can see all of me. And I was <laughs> laughing. I was like, it's that humor. So talk to us a little bit about some of the, the life lessons that you've learned or kind of your takeaways at being a keynote speaker. So many people are moving forward with their businesses by becoming a keynote speaker. So talk to us a little bit about some of the lessons you have and advice. You know, if I'm used to speaking to groups of 20, Jumping to hundreds and then thousands can be, uh, it's a transition. There's a step. So chat with us a little bit about some of your lessons you've learned. Yeah, for me, it, those really stem from being in theater because you're in really large audiences, typically, if it's a big house. And I personally love keynote stages more than breakout sessions. I love breakout sessions as well because you can really get intimate with your audience. But keynote stages aren't as scary as people think because you're mostly blinded by the lights <laughs> and it looks like there's no audience. <laughs> so you're just talking to yourself. But you do, one of the things that I see a lot is people don't pay attention to their body language on that size of stage. And often you can tell they're nervous by them crossing their legs or them pacing back and forth. And really the best thing to do is just to plant your feet, be grounded and address the audience. I break them up into different sections. So everybody feels like you are paying attention to them and delivering it directly to them. But when you, when you plant your feet, it not only gives you a little bit more confidence because you have a strong foundation below but it shows confidence as well. And I see a lot of people that just kind of what we do, what we call weight shifting in theater, like the boxers, how they move back and forth. <laughs> and you can tell, oh, what are they trying to avoid? And their nervous energy comes out below, right? And their feet, and all of a sudden they're doing all these weird things. You're like, hmm, if you just plant your feet, none of us would know. None of us right. would know. Right. And then there's there's the kind of warm up before you actually go out on stage. What are some things that you have found that help you before you walk out? I, I know for me, the biggest thing is the sound because I'm so I'm a podcaster. Sounds very important to me yes. that when I got hit the first time I walked out on stage and it was just the wall of sound as the audience was excited to see you because you're the keynote speaker. Right. But the wall of sound was like, OK, you finally learned to get over it. But that's number one. I always tell people, be prepared for the wall of sound. Number two, what are some things that you can do to kind of warm up when you get out there? 
because there's dead silence, right? <laughs> right? You have the wall of sound, and then what's after it? Dead silence. And, and you have every person's undivided attention for the next three seconds. So... Yeah, no pressure. So no how, pressure how, at all. Right? No how do you? Yeah, how how do you walk your people through that part of the process? A lot of it is really just honing in on their opening, and I think a lot of people they say, "Oh, I'm nervous until the the after the first five minutes. Then once I'm in the first five minutes, I can be fine." It's like you know, you can be confident from this moment you step out on stage if you have the right opening. If you are nervous, that means you do not have the right opening. Your opening should excite you so much to share it, to tell the story, to share the data, whatever it is. And I have a class that is like five different types of openings that you can do so you can find which one works for you. But there are definitely moments that if you're like, then you're not excited enough to share what you have to share. Like you should be so over the moon. And I was just working with a client and he said the same thing. He goes, Misty, as soon as I get into the rhythm of my overall presentation, I'm fine. And I said, well, let's work on your opening. He just did his opening at a virtual conference to 12,000 people and he crushed it. And he wrote me afterwards. He goes, oh my God, I was so thrilled. The story went over fantastically. Everybody was talking about it. They were raving about it. I was like, yes, that is how you need to prepare to open. Before you even go on stage though, Janine, a lot of it is really, you have to do three things that I have found to help you be successful. You have to figure out what mindset you need to be in. And sometimes people need meditation or whatever music for you if you're a sound person, but you have to find that piece that'll get you into the right mindset. Then you have to have a physical activity of some sort. And it could be just shaking it out, but you have to get that nervous energy out of your body. Otherwise it stays in there and it doesn't know where to come out and it's going to come out in your voice or like we mentioned your lower half or whatever it is. <laughs> it's gonna, you go into the bathroom on stage, whatever. And then it has to become a ritual. And without it becoming a ritual, then it won't work because your, your whole goal is to get your mindset in that out of that fight or flight syndrome and into this is normal. This is normal. And so once you make it a ritual, then your body kind of relaxes and go, oh, I can do this. And I'm the person that's backstage eating scrambled eggs before she goes on stage and being like, all right, are we ready? <laughs> because I've already done my ritual to just calm myself, get in the right headspace. I do jumping jacks. I like have this very like same thing that I do every single time. And ritual is important. I, I totally agree. I remember having to hear certain types of music and I would always dance right behind the curtains right before, because yeah. if I wasn't dancing and shaking it all off, then that it wasn't going to work for me. So it's nice to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Things work well. It doesn't matter what area you're in. So for folks who are entrepreneurs, they're business owners, they're getting up in front of people now in ways they haven't before, especially with zoom uh, being a big thing. Uh, do you have any, like a best tip for us on how to handle zoom? because now we're under the eye of the camera in ways most people aren't. And I know there's a lot of quick tips and everything out there, but I'd rather get quick tips from people who are used to being on a camera as opposed <laughs> to people who are on a camera as of 2020. And you're, you qualify, definitely. So yeah, what, what can you share with us as some of those best tips that you've seen that really work for people, those things that really help? 
Yeah, it, it, it is scary for a lot of people because all of a sudden they feel like the spotlight is on them. And they're used to even like maybe being in a boardroom or a team meeting where not everybody's focused on your face <laughs> when you're speaking. So all of a sudden it's like, hey, <laughs> confess. <I'm> like, <laughs> so I get it. I really, if if it causes nerves, again, go to that ritual that you created before the meetings, prepare so you know like what you want to do, how you want to show up, and then take up space. It is no different than being on a stage with a bunch of people staring at you and being on Zoom. So again, plant your feet, take up your space, sit up straight, look into the camera, make sure that your camera is like at eye line or slightly above. So you're not like looking down because I don't know about the rest of y'all, but my double chin is not so pretty. (laughs) We've all seen it. (laughs) Not yours necessarily, but others. (laughs) (laughs) My camera's much higher. And then for most people, it's just a matter of speaking a little bit slower. And the anxiety comes because we want to have the right answer or we want to sound articulate and intelligent, but sometimes our mouth is moving faster than our mind. So if you just slow down just a tad, then those can be in sync and you'll just relax a little bit more into that situation. Well, thank you. That leads us into the next thing that I was really excited about being able to chat with you about. And that one is you've launched and you have grown thought leadership brands. And I just would love for you to chat a little bit about what makes someone a go-to expert, because every entrepreneur I've ever met has a product, has a thing that they do that nobody else in the world does like them. And how do you, how do you recommend that they make themselves a go-to expert? What are some ideas that you share? Oof. Uh, <laughs> like, how long is this podcast? Uh, I agree. It's hard. I think a lot of people, I just got this question too from one of my clients yesterday. He said, do I start telling people I'm a thought leader or how do I like go about becoming a thought leader? And he is absolutely brilliant in the space of crowdfunding and finding money for entrepreneurs. And so he and I just discussed like all of the things that he's an expert in. And a lot of your, as you mentioned, People that are listening to this as entrepreneurs, you have something already that is of value and can make you a thought leader. The thing is bringing awareness to that. And so it might be wherever your audience is, figure out where they're living already. So you're not creating a bunch of like Instagram posts and LinkedIn and all these places that they're not already living at, but figuring out what platform they're on and just start sharing, start sharing pieces of your books, start sharing your passion, start sharing your why, start like doing reels if they're on Instagram or TikTok or wherever, and really be giving. And I think as you're being giving, you'll start being recognized as somebody that is an expert in their field. But I am truly in belief of giving content like crazy to help others succeed. And if your heart is in the right space, like every single thought leader that I've worked with, really their ultimate goal wasn't to be a thought leader. It was to help. And they became a thought leader because they were so incredibly giving. 
Right. And that's that servant leader mindset mindset that many of us have have grown up with. And that's why we're in business for ourselves, because we think we can do things better than what we've seen. And we can also help those around us. So that's kind of awesome uh, for a lot of the entrepreneurs. So, okay, so tell us, Misty, uh, you know, people listen to the show. They think, oh, this is somebody I want to work with. So how can somebody work with you? Oh, easy. That <laughs> mistymahia.com and just come check me out. I also have something for the group. I have a Tim Mistakes mistymahia.com and they can download the 10 mistakes even seasoned presenters make so they can avoid those you can make other ones if you want <laughs> but at least you can avoid these 10 and these are things that either I have done or speakers that uh, I've worked with at conferences have done so definitely do that but for me if you're passionate about getting your message out there and your brand and resonating with the right people I love I love helping people just find their strategy, pull out the stories. If you already have a book, then it is so much easier because then we're just taking the book and everything that you've written in there and creating really good keynotes and breakout sessions and training sessions that can help you exponentially just get your message out there. So go to mistymahia.com and you can contact me through there and... And that, that's one of the things I loved about you was the fact that you had that 10 mistakes that have made even by professional, you know, seasoned professional speakers. So of course I downloaded it immediately and went, Oh yeah, did that one, did that one. It's like, <laughs> it was great. And like I tell my kids, it's like, look, the only reason I'm sharing all this stuff with you is because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made. I want you to make different ones exactly. Go out and make different ones. Why make the same ones I did? Done there, done that. We bought the t-shirt on that people. So that's why, that's why I'm always sharing that with them. So definitely stop by mistymahia.com. And if for no other reason, download that amazing, you know, 10 mistakes uh, for professional speakers make. And I can guarantee you, because I'm on her newsletter list, Misty does not pummel you with emails. You do not get pummeled. Uh, Like some people, they're in your mailbox three times, four times a week. That is not Misty. Misty is very appreciative of the fact that you're there and doesn't want you to unsubscribe just because she's in your box too much. (laughs) Anyhow, tell us before we go, though, before we go you're working on a book you know yeah yes you are you're working on a book and i know that you're just getting ready to do some of the editing on it but can you tell us a little bit the title at least so we can keep our eye out for it the working title and who knows is most of you that have written books i am bowing down to you this process is oh my gosh i had no idea how difficult it was so for those of you that already have a book that is living out there in the world Amen to you. Amen. (laughs) The working title is Leadership is a Performance Art. And basically, it is a review of all of my theater background, because I have a degree in acting and degree in directing. And then I ended up at the Fortune 500, running a global team of multiple countries. And just how I took those lessons that I learned in theater to build a collaborative team to create marketing that was something that would stand out and really combining the two worlds of art and business. I am really super excited about the book, but I am on my first round of edits and that's the, that's the tough part of like, Oh, I could say that better. I could do that better. So I'm hoping I can get through this without 
like stopping myself <laughs> right right and then get it to my editor he's he's like okay misty Andy yeah it's time it's time for time for me to get my my pin onto the paper so one of the things i wanted to share with folks is definitely sign up for her newsletter because when her book does come out it is going to be incredibly helpful if you learn the performance art tips that Misty is going to give to you in this book, uh, you will be able to relax a lot more, not only on stage, but anytime you're in front of people, whether it's Zoom or you're at a chamber of commerce meeting, or you've been asked to speak at your professional meetings, it doesn't matter where. Any other tips you want to give us before we leave today, Misty? I, I would say the public speaking, honestly, is the reason my career went the way I did. You know, I started as a temporary receptionist and got hired into the company in OEM sales because I was not afraid to speak to the president of the company. And because of that lack of fear, then I was able to just move up and move up and be kidnapped by multiple companies along my journey. And really, it all starts with having a go-to strategy that you can duplicate every time to find that confidence, to know that you are worthy, you have absolute value, and that you belong there 100%. Oh, I do have a speaking course that it only is open two times a year. And I hopefully this podcast comes out before then. But my next cohort is in August. So if people are interested in joining that, it is a group cohort. Uh, usually I do one-on-ones, but this one is a group and my groups have just loved it. They all are like, can we meet every day for alumni sessions? <laughs> yeah. Then people start begging more time from you. Yeah. It's awesome. It well, so wonderful. Fun. So twice a year, August, and what's the other time? The yeah, other one is March. And March. March and August is when people can pop in and join your group cohorts. So wonderful. Misty, thank you so much for your time today and your expertise. Thank you so much. Uh, hugs through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. I'll take them. And this is Janine Bolin with The Thriving Solopreneur. And as you know, I want you to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground and reach for those stars and you will be successful. Keep thriving. Keep going. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Thriving Solopreneur Show. We hope you found this episode helpful and uplifting. Be sure to visit us at janinebolin.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find a library of videos, books, and podcast programs to guide you to the future you envision for yourself. We also ask that you visit our sponsor, the8gates.com, for the books and online courses that share with you the debt-free living lifestyle that allows business owners like yourself to flourish. Have a great day and see you next time.